morning. Uh, scripture reading this morning comes from pretty much about the middle of the Bible, I think. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 9. Here is my servant whom, I'm up, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not sh- shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice, He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things that have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It does come from the middle of the Bible. And it's in a place of brokenness. Actually, God's people are in exile as Isaiah is writing, and Chapter 40 in Isaiah begins uh, a message of hope and restoration that God indeed is going to, to return his people to the land. He's going to rescue them from their exiled places and bring them back. He's going to restore his relationship with them. And this passage, Isaiah 42, begins with a promise of the coming Messiah, the servant of God who's going to come and, and bring about this change who's going to rescue God's people. We hear in it not just a promise to rescue God's people, but that this servant will be a light to all the nations. It's not just that God's people are going to be redeemed and restored, but that God is going to do a work that's going to restore all of creation to himself. All people will be set free from the things that have enslaved them. And so we begin this Advent journey right in the middle, the middle of the mess that we as humans had made of our lives and of the world around us. We begin in the space where we hear for the first, uh, kind of that first word of God coming to his people saying, don't worry, I've got you. I'm coming to free you and set you free. And today, as we enter that Advent story, that Advent longing, we hear in this text, in the background of it, God's people longing for freedom. We're going to focus on verses 6 and 7, and really just part of that. 
Let me read that again just so it's in front of us. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I've shared the story before, but it's one of those moments where I actually experienced darkness. A a year after Henny and I got married, we went to Mammoth Caves. And we went into those caves and into that space. As we were there, we got down deep on one of those tours that's going around, and the tour guide ahead of us flipped off the lights, not knowing that our group was right behind. And it got so dark that we literally could touch our noses, and not be able to see the outline of our hands. We started looking around. You know those little light-up shoes? There was a kid with those shoes that lit up every time he stepped. We were like, there it is, there it is, there's a little light, there's a little light. But there is a moment when you're in that darkness that you go, (gasps) because it's so overwhelming. God's speaking to a people who are caught up in that type of darkness, who are so overwhelmed that they don't know which way to go. They don't know how to get out of their sins anymore. They don't know how to get back to God and to God's presence. They are a people who are in utter darkness, as Isaiah said in chapter 8. A people living in the land of darkness. Advent begins by recognizing where our sins have brought us. This text uses three images that are all related to each other. Eyes that are blind, emphasizing the darkness. They can't see where they're going. They're utterly dependent on someone else. To free captives from prison, people who can't get out, people who are locked in. And not just prison, but it goes even deeper to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness wasn't just the the common ordinary prisoner, it was the people who were the political prisoners, the people who were enslaved, the people who had no hope of getting out of the muck and the mire, the people who were deep down in the prison. Advent. Advent doesn't begin with the happy clappy and all the songs and cheer. Advent begins in that place where we say, oh dear God, what have we done? Oh, dear God, what have we done? It invites us into that space to to hold a mirror up to ourselves, to take an honest look and say, you know what? I have sinned, and my sin has not only made a mess of my life, my sin has affected the relationships I have with the people around me. And not only is it my sin that has gone out, but it's other people's sin that has come in towards me. We're entangled in this mess. Dear God, we can't get out of this. It's coming to that place to recognize the gravity of the brokenness of our sin. It's Adam and Eve not just taking the forbidden fruit, but a few years later recognizing that one of their kids killed the other kid. 
And that it was their sin turning away from God that led to the compounding sin the next generation. Dear God, what have we done? What kind of mess have we made? The beginning of Advent, in some sense, should feel like Ash Wednesday. You know that other season that we emphasize, that that Lenten season where we invite people to come in and we take much more of a somber approach to the season and, and repentance is part of it. And actually, during Lent, churches that are really emphasizing the liturgical nature of Lent, they take everything out of the sanctuary. They strip it bare of images and and of signs of, of joy. They want us to enter into repentance that is really marked by ashes and sackcloth and a somberness. In many ways, the first day of Advent has that same type of feel. Now, I know we didn't help because we decorated everything and put all sorts of color around. But in some sense, that's the beginning of Advent. It's taking a hard look, a real look at our own sin and the consequences of our sin and saying, it's not okay what we did. It's not okay that we continue to sin. It's not okay that we live these lives that injure others, injure the world around us, and that defy God. Our sin isn't something that we can simply just go, oh, no big deal. God will forgive us anyways. No big deal. Those of you who are in catechism with Hayden and I this week, does this sound a little familiar? We can't just say to God, God, it's no big deal, right? Our sin is a big deal. Not only is it rebellion against God, but it is disruptive and, dis- and distorting and-, and diminishing of the life God has given to everyone around us. Advent. Advent recognizes where our sins have brought us. They've imprisoned us. The very next verse is this, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. It's as if God walked up to the jail of our sin and he said, I see my image in there and I refuse to let my image stay in prison. I see my beloved, those I have created, locked in a sin of their own making, a prison of their own making, and I refuse to let them stay there. God, in this text, is saying to the people of Israel who are in exile in a far foreign land, a place to them that feels like God has abandoned them, God is saying to them in this passage in a very loud and clear voice, I see you, and I refuse to let this be the end of the story, that you, my people, my image bearers, are locked in this prison of sin. I refuse to let this be the end. You will not rot and die in your sins. I am coming to get you. I am coming to set you free. We hear in this text God saying to his people, your sins won't be the end of your story. Not because they're no big deal, but because I'm going to make a way to set you free from them. I'm going to release you from those sins. My image will not be yielded to another. 
No idol, no sin, no consequence of sin is going to hold you back. I'm going to come get you. And this is where we enter into that Advent promise and hope. It may still be a far way off. In fact, that's why we started way back here with the kids this morning. Because that hope enters into a space where we are imprisoned in sin, where it feels like we are very far from God, where we are far off from God, that we can't figure out how to get back to God. And we're standing back here going, God, that all sounds good. We want you to free us. We need you to free us. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do to to set us free and get us out of this prison? It's our prodigal son moment. Do you remember that story, the prodigal son? He says, the younger son out of the two brothers says to his dad, Dad, give me the inheritance. In other words, Dad, I wish you were dead already. Just give me the money that's due to me. And he goes off into this foreign land and he spends it on wild living. And as he's there, he ends up running out of all his money and there becomes a famine in the land. I love how the Bible says what's really going on. He reached the end of his resources and he realized he had nothing left. And so he hires himself out to a man who has some pigs. And as he's feeding those pigs, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. He's in that place of longing and saying, I can't get out of this. I can't even eat the food that the pigs eat. There's nothing in this land for me, this land of my own choosing. There's nothing here that can actually satisfy my deepest hunger and my deepest longing. And Advent, Advent hits that place hard for us that recognizes we can't fill our deepest longings. You know what happens when he gets to that space? that Advent moment for him of longing, of recognizing his hunger. He says, I'll go back to my dad's house. Not as a son, but as a servant because my dad's character is such that even though I wished him dead, he'll feed me still. He'll give me a place to stay. He'll welcome me back into his house. Even if it's just as a servant, I trust my dad's character. There's a moment of turning, a moment of repentance, a moment of of coming back, and he begins to realize that the way to come back is go on this long road to return to God. But what he finds is a father who's been watching for him. A father who comes running down that road to grab hold of him. A father who comes running down that robe and demands that the robe get put back on him and the rings get put back on him and sandals get put back on his feet and says, this is my son, and who throws a feast for him and welcomes him back in. A father who said, I went and found you. You were dead But now you're alive. You were lost, but you've been found. You were far away from home, but you are back home. We need to rejoice. And what we enter into in this Advent season is not simply a father who waited off in a distance wondering if we might return, but a father who sent his one and only son to come find us, to come release us from the prison that we were in, to come set us free and bring us back home.
we find in the Advent story a father who is not satisfied to wait for us to return and come to our senses, but a father who said, even before you come to your senses, I'm coming to find you. I'm coming to heal you. I'm coming to set you free. I'm coming to break those bonds that have imprisoned you. And he sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him, whoever trusts him, would not perish in their sins, but would be set free and find the freedom of eternal life. Advent is about returning to God, of being ushered back to God by the Son, Jesus Christ. So even as we stand at a distance and we begin to look towards this Advent longing and this longing for Jesus to come and be born in the celebration of Christmas Day, even as we have that looking forward, we do so with this assurance and hope that the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who watched us sin, the God who watched us turn to death is the God who is offering us life the God who is sending his son into the midst of our sin and brokenness and saying, you are mine. I will not leave you imprisoned in this sin. I'm coming to get you. Jesus talks about this. A number of times this comes up, but this is when he's calling Matthew to be his disciple. And he says, hey, Matthew, I'm coming over to your house. Let's have a party. And they throw a party in. Matthew, being a tax collector, invites his friends who were all kind of the outcasts of the religious community. And so the house is filled with quote-unquote sinners. And the religious folks look at Jesus' disciples and say, how can he be a religious leader if he eats with this kind of people? And Jesus says, I didn't come to save the, rel- the religious and the righteous. I came to call the sinners. I I came to bring them back home. I came to save them. This is the good news of Advent. Jesus didn't come to those who have it all together and figure out they're okay where they are. He came to those who are broken, who are weary from their sin, who recognize that they have nothing left to offer God, that they've made a mess of themselves and the world around them, Jesus came to rescue us, to bring us home. Sinners like you and me. So we have a question. A question from us this week. From what specific fears and sins am I longing for Jesus to release me? It's one thing for us to start talking about, I'm enslaved in sin big, broad, general. It's a whole nother thing to start naming our sins, isn't it? To say, I'm guilty of lust. I'm guilty of stealing. I'm guilty of pride. I gossiped about my boss this week. I refused to go visit somebody this week that I knew you were prompting me to visit, God, because, well, their breath stinks. I don't want to be around them. It's harder to come to that place where we start naming those specific sins and say, God, those sins are enslaving me and I need you to set me free. I need you to set me free from the darkness that sin has put on my heart. And so this week, we're going to ask you to reflect on this question.
specific fears and sins and my longing for Jesus to release me. Those of you who are members, regular attenders, have mailboxes out there. And this morning you would have found this little booklet in there. And this booklet is an invitation from Pastor Hayden and I to journey with us during the Advent season. And you'll find in it uh, a list of scripture readings for each day during Advent. And along with those scripture readings, a practice that we'll go through on each of the days. And we give descriptions of the practices in back. But each week, tied to those, we are going to be introducing a question like this one to help us through this Advent journey. And the the question for the first week of Advent is this. From what specific fears and sins am I longing for Jesus to release me? So we invite you to take this with you. If you don't have a mailbox here, that's okay. Come talk to us. We'll help you get set up with one if you want one. But we also have a stack of these available at the table out in the gathering room. You're free to pick one up, take it with you, pass it along to others if you'd like. But we invite you into this Advent journey uh, of journeying into this story of a God who sees us imprisoned in our sin and who refuses to leave us there. A God who says, I'm not waiting for you to figure a way out of this. I know how to set you free. And I've sent my son to free you from your sins. Let's pray. God, Thank you for the good news of this season that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to set us free from our sins, to release us from the prisons we find ourselves in, of our fears, of the sins and the consequences of those sins. May you move in our lives, even now, to open up those spaces where we are trapped and enslaved. Break us free by your son, Jesus Christ. Show us how through his death and resurrection you have already worked a miracle and made it possible for us to return to you. Help us on this Advent journey to return to you, to experience the freedom that you bring, the satisfaction that you offer to our deepest longings. Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. In response, I invite us to stand and sing, Hark the glad sound, the Savior comes.